we should start a podcast. Yeah, we've all said it. But when it comes time to make it a reality, we get stuck. Well, here's some good news. With Spreaker, all you need to start a podcast is a microphone and a good idea. Spreaker handles the recording, management, distribution, and monetization of your podcast, allowing you to focus on making a podcast. Whether you're discussing the latest moves in the tech sector or just your dating life, Spreaker gives you tools to make your podcast a hit and professional insights about who is listening and where. And as your podcast dream grows, Spreaker only becomes more useful, letting you upload and schedule multiple episodes at the same time, push to multiple platforms, and customize RSS feeds. But what about making money? With Spreaker, monetization is as easy as checking a few boxes. So next time someone says to you, we should start a podcast, say yes and let Spreaker handle the rest. Learn more and get 30% off at Spreaker.com slash get started. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R dot com slash get started. Welcome. This is Overwatch on Firefall Talk Radio and the Firefall Network. I'm Richard Grund. As we reboot Overwatch, I wanted to rebroadcast the report I did in February of 2018 to remind you of the history of the FBI, the CIA, and the origins of the deep state for a few reasons. One, in the weeks ahead, we will be doing an in-depth report on the deep state, so you need to have the facts fresh in your mind. Two, to show you that the more things change, the more they stay the same. We still don't have the answers to the questions raised in February of 2018. We're told this is part of the plan. The plan is playing out, but I believe we're the ones being played. I believe it's a part of the charade being promoted to the American public, but I will let you decide. Listen to this rebroadcast and get a clearer understanding of the American intelligence community. What you will find is that the bad actors are not the rarity They are the norm. There are good agents. I've met some. But they are the rarity of streams of fresh water in a polluted swamp. Next week, we will begin new broadcasts with a two-part series called Deep State Wars. And we will have reports from Greg Messina of John 316 Productions, as well as others Make sure you bookmark Firefall Talk Radio on Spreaker.com to know when we are broadcasting new episodes of Overwatch. If you like what you hear, please share the links and let others know. If you'd like to support what we do, go to FirefallTalkRadio.com and find the support buttons at the bottom of the home page. As we are on the eve of Rosh Hashanah and the new year in God's calendar, A new fervor and spirit is back to expose the powers of darkness in every aspect of their existence. Overwatch is back, and the beacon's glare of truth is shining again. Remember I was talking about the meaning of the eclipse, harbingers of change, speeding up inevitable actions and pushing us to look in new directions? On a literal level, the eclipse reveals a shadow of ourselves. And I think that's what we saw. We saw a shadow of society, a shadow of Hollywood, a shadow of politics and corporate power. We saw things that we always knew were there, but were now brought out into the open, and we acted appalled. We still do. But when the smoke clears, and everything comes to the light, some minor players will be held accountable, and business will go on as usual. Now, the other thing that came out of 
this recent event, this time of change and revelation, was a memo, a four-page FISA memo was released right after that event. And what it did was it alleged improper surveillance techniques used by the Department of Justice and the FBI in the ongoing Russia collusion investigation into the recent elections. You see, the memo, quote, did raise concerns with the legitimacy and quality of certain DOJ and FBI interactions with the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court and represents a troubling breakdown of the legal process established to protect the American people from abuses related to the FISA process. Some people call it a bombshell. Others are saying it's a meaningless waste of time. I think it's a little of both, but let me keep going. See, the memo verified what was widely believed. The Steele dossier, an opposition research document, Christopher Steele, was paid to compile, on, in part by the Democratic National Committee, on behalf of Hillary Clinton, was in fact used as the justification for a highly sensitive FISA warrant on Carter Page, who acted very briefly as an advisor to then-candidate Donald Trump. In today's New York Post, Michael Godwin wrote, The Democratic nominee paid for and created allegations against her Republican opponent, gave them to law enforcement, and then tipped friendly media to the investigation. And it's almost certain FBI agents supporting Clinton were among the anonymous sources. In fact, the Clinton Connections was so fundamental that there probably would not have been an FBI investigation without her involvement. He goes on to say, that makes her hers a brazen work of political genius and perhaps the dirtiest trick ever played in presidential history. Following her manipulation of the party operation to thwart Bernie Sanders in the primary, Clinton is revealed as relentlessly ruthless in her quest to be president. The only thing that went wrong is that she lost the election. And based on what we know now, her claims about Trump were false. So what we have is accusations of deep state spying and interference are proven, and the deep state doesn't care that we know. Heads should roll. People should go to jail. Will they? Probably not. Too many are tied together in a way that would crush the American political system and the mainstream media. Here's what I believe. I believe deals will be cut, small players will be sacrificed, and for a while anyways, everyone will behave. So I say it's both a big deal and it's old news. It's a troubling exposure of the clandestine and oftentimes improper or illegal efforts at evidence gathering. But you know what, folks? That's old news as far as the FBI is concerned. All you have to do is look at the history of J. Edgar Hoover. J. Edgar Hoover joined the Department of Justice in 1917. And in doing so, changed the course of law enforcement. And everything that we see today ties back to his efforts. He immediately rose to prominence because of his role in the Red Scare and the Palmer Raids of 1919. He served 10 presidents and nearly twice as many attorney generals. And for 47 years, he ran the FBI, outwardly accountable to all those presidents and attorney generals, but submitted to none, and no one ever mastered him. Hoover spent his career expanding and amassing power. His secret formula? was trading in secret. Every person had his or her secret, he believed, and having knowledge of and using those secrets was the currency of his realm. That's what Richard Nixon said about J. Edgar Hoover. Quote, J. Edgar Hoover doesn't trust anyone he doesn't have something on. He's got files on everybody. Many believed Hoover helped Nixon 
get elected. And had Hoover lived a few more months, the Watergate story may never have happened. See, because it's now believed that the source, Deep Throat as he was called, was the suspected FBI second-in-command, W. Mark Felt, who has all but admitted to his hand and things. And had Hoover lived, Felt would not have been forced into a power play for the top spot that Nixon gave someone else and instigating Watergate. So did you think Watergate was really about telling the truth and two newsmen exposing something? See, Hoover was a monumental egotist. He demanded flattering publicity, and he had little respect for the American constitutional and libertarian values. He thought himself above it all. He was a self-promoting bureaucrat, and he had knew, he knew no bounds. He had no boundaries. He expanded his power, and he survived through the abuse of that power, using blackmail of prominent public officials and private citizens and personal intimidation towards anyone daring to question his authority. Numerous, numerous public personalities in politics and entertainment were among his victims. Hoover had something called Division 8, the entitled Crime Records and Communications Division. And it had a priority mission to pump out propaganda that not only fostered the image of the FBI as an organization, but as the director himself as a champion of justice, fighting, quote, moral deterioration and the anarchist elements. Hoover used to the department to preach the notion that the political left was responsible for all manner of perceived evils from changing sexual standards to juvenile delinquency. Script that still followed today. And folks, if you think there's a right and a left and there's two sides in the political party, I have a bridge to sell you. J. Edgar Hoover despised the civil rights movement. And he was constantly attacking it in as brutal a fashion as he possibly could across the United States. He made it his personal mission to destroy Martin Luther King. In the 1960s, Hoover went to extreme lengths to establish a communist connection or a communist control over Martin Luther King and his movement. And by using covert surveillance... All he established was that King was having sex with women other than his wife, which the family has denied, but in the records, that's what Hoover had. And he had FBI agents work to neutralize King by slipping this salacious information to the press. So leaking things to the press by the FBI, where everybody's going, oh, Old news, folks. In the book, The FBI's Vendetta Against Martin Luther King, Morton Halpern, Jerry Berman, Robert Borisage, and Christine Marwick wrote, and it's a Penguin Books from 1976, in October of 1963, Hoover received and repu- approved a combined Comenfil Cointel Pro plan. So it is small wonder that the civil rights movement was also subjected to heavy attack by Hoover. Billions of government dollars were spent in this direction. Many of these activities were not only unwarranted, but of questionable legality. The congressional hearings into the assassination of Dr. King bore this out. Two FBI agents testified before a Senate committee chaired by Senator Frank Church. I'm trying to find out what it was that impelled the, some part of the FBI to pursue Martin Luther King with such an obsession. And what I understood that answer to be is, first of all, it was not any suspicions of the commission of a federal crime. None of the literature showed up a single suggestion that Martin Luther King had committed or was about to commit a crime. Is that correct? That's correct. But at this point, much of what was being done did involve challenges to local laws. And there is a very strong suggestion that King was seen as rallying the lawbreakers and would-be lawbreakers, albeit for a cause that, that, that sounded pure. Looking now in terms of if we look at what might have gotten the Bureau started, and if we remember at the same time he is extremely critical of the Bureau's own law enforcement efforts, 
We see throughout these documents and the new left documents that it is taboo to criticize the Bureau right. and particularly the director. Well, did he ever, was he ever charged with uh, fomenting violence? Did he, ever, did he ever participate in violence? Was it ever alleged that he was about to be violent? That was no. the very opposite of his philosophy, Senator. So that it, it was neither the fear of commission of a crime or the commission of violence. Was there any serious charge that he himself was a communist? No such charge ever was made. So that what was left then was a decision on the part of some persons or person within the FBI that he should nevertheless be pursued. And replaced. And the basis for that apparently was political. The decision that he was dangerous or potentially dangerous to someone's notion of what uh, this country should be doing, and a further theory that the FBI possessed the ability to enter into this field and to investigate and to intimidate and seek to neutralize and indeed replace a civil rights leader that they thought to be uh, politically uh, unacceptable. Uh, Is that correct? Yes. Correct. All right. Pro, remember that phrase, against the civil rights movement. The, the approved plan was for intensifying coverage of the communist influence on the Negro. That's a quote. To use all possible investigative techniques in an urgent need for imaginative and aggressive tactics to neutralize or disrupt the party's activities in the Negro field. Yeah, that's American. On October 10th and October 21st, Attorney General Robert Kennedy gave the FBI one of those investigative techniques by approving wiretaps on Dr. King. And the tactics they used apparently uh, had no end. Um, microphonic uh, surveillance of hotel rooms. They included um, informants. They included um, sponsoring of uh, letters uh, signed by phony names to relatives and friends and organizers. They involved even plans to replace him with someone else the FBI was to select as a national civil rights leader. Is that correct? Yes, that plan uh, was, didn't get very yeah, far. But, but it was seriously considered, and Mr. Hoover penned a note to that suggestion uh, commending its authors, did they not? Yes. They planted wiretaps in King's home, his offices, and they bugged his hotel rooms. And like I said, Hoover found out very little about any communist activities, but he did learn about King's extramarital affairs, which, according to some, was already an open secret within the civil rights movement's leadership. So on October 18, 1963, the FBI distributed a different kind of memorandum on King not only to the Justice Department, but to the officials of the White House, the CIA, the State Department, the Defense Department, the Defense Department Intelligence Agency, summarizing that the Bureau's Communist Party's charges against King, which didn't exist, and went much further. According to Assistant Attorney General Burke Marshall, it was a personal diatribe, a personal attack without evidentiary support on the character the moral character and the person of Dr. Martin Luther King, and only peripherally re related to anything substantive, like whether there was a communist infiltration or infu influence on the civil rights movement. It was a personal attack, nothing more, nothing less. Attorney General Kennedy was outraged, and he demanded that Hoover seek the return of the report. And by October 28th, all copies of that report sent to all those agencies were returned back to J. Edgar Hoover. Folks, that was the first and last time any official action was taken against Hoover vendetta against King. Robert Kennedy was the only one who ever stood up to J. Edgar Hoover. Five years later, RFK would be shot dead as he ran for president. I'm not saying that the two were related, I'm just saying that the only one who ever stood up to him 
was assassinated. And while the nation was mourning the death of JFK, the FBI moved quickly to destroy King and the civil rights movement. Apparently, Lyndon Johnson was agreeable to what Hoover was doing and gave him carte blanche. So at an all-day meeting that FBI officials put together proposals that would have made Watergate seem pale by comparison, they agreed to use all available investigative techniques to discredit King. That included using ministers, disgruntled acquaintances, aggressive newsmen, Dr. King's housekeeper, even Dr. King's wife, or possibly placing a good-looking female plant in King's office to discredit him and to get discrediting information that would lead to his disgrace. Now, whether or not Dr. King was doing what they said, I don't know, but the FBI was willing to go public with it. They had physical and photographic surveillance. They had all of these illegal bugs in his room at the Willard Hotel in Washington, D.C. And so what they did to show you that what we're seeing now is old news, they sent Dr. King a, quote, you are done letter, basically saying, suggesting that he should commit suicide before they exposed him to the public. And the only thing that stopped Hoover from exposing him to the public was King's death. And even even after people were mourning Dr. King's assassination, Hoover never let up. He even later on prevent, tried to prevent Dr. King's birthday from being declared a national holiday. Was the program created for Dr. King questionable? Absolutely. Were there illegal actions? Absolutely. Were they against the Constitution? Without a doubt. They were spying on individuals, groups. They were infiltrating groups with agents, in which some cases caused death. They were discrediting people with lies and forged documents. They were breaking in. They were planting. They were doing everything in the media, everything possible to fulfill Hoover's vendetta. Why is anything we're seeing today any different? We're not. But you see, Hoover didn't just snoop on King. He didn't just snoop on politicians, but officials high and low, Supreme Court justices, at least 12 of them, presidents, writers, actors, citizens across the spectrum who were caught in his evil eye. And the fear of what he may had have had on them kept them all in place. Secrets were power, and Hoover controlled them. In life, Hoover denied over and over that there were secret dossiers, but the first person to look at his secret files after his death at Acting Attorney General Lawrence Silverman learned otherwise. In examining Hoover's secret files, he said, J. Edgar Hoover was like a sewer that collected dirt. Now I believe he was the worst public servant in our history. Uh, Anthony Summers, author of Official and Confidential, an investigative biography of Hoover, said, For all the fuss about pursuing the John Dillingers and the small-time hoods of the Midwest, anyone at the top in law enforcement at the time knew that the real threat to society came from elsewhere. Hint, hint. Some, Summers even goes on to say that although it looked like Hoover went after the mob publicly, very quietly, he had a secret deal to leave them alone. Now, why? I remember Ash Resnick at the Caesars Palace. He used to be the manager of the nightclub there. He told me that uh, Maya Lansky had some pretty strong evidence that uh, Hoover and Tolson uh, were both homosexuals. When he was asked what that meant, he said that Lansky had obtained um, photographs of Hoover in a compromising situation with, with Clyde Tolson. One man who actually claims to have seen such photographs is Gordon Novell, a controversial figure with connections to the intelligence community. Novell, who had worked for the White House in the early 1960s, became involved in a complicated legal action which the White House wanted him to pursue, but which Hoover wanted dropped. So I went to the White House, and the White House sent me to Mr. Angleton, Director of Counterintelligence, CIA. We met in a restaurant, and I told him my problem, and he says, I know what your problem is. He said, you need to tell Mr. Hoover that you've met with me, and uh, 
that you're not going to dismiss the lawsuit and that you've seen this. At which point he opened up his briefcase and pulled out a couple of photographs of, uh, of Mr. Hoover in flagrante delicto, I guess is one way to describe it. Having oral sex. In New Orleans, where the CIA and the Mafia had sometimes collaborated, Mafia Don Carlos Marcello told Gordon Novell that he too had seen a photograph. I had volunteered the information that I had seen a picture of uh, uh, Mr. Hoover in performing oral sex, and he said that he had seen it too, and that it had been used to keep the uh, FBI, but not the Justice Department, off the back of the mob. Maya Lansky had uh, some pretty heavy stuff on Hoover, that he was a homosexual, without any question, and uh, he'd shove it to him if he, if he, if he ever had to. Irving Resnick said Lansky was the guy who controlled the pictures and he had made his deal with Hoover to lay off. That was the reason that for a long time we had nothing to fear from the FBI. Why at the time that the mob was so powerful and growing would Hoover back off? Remember I said secrets of power? Well, supposedly mobster Meyer Lansky had a secret on Hoover. See, J. Edgar Hoover and his roommate and friend would frequent the clubs and the resorts that the mob owned. And supposedly, mobster Meyer Lansky had page, chapter, and verse on Hoover's Achilles heel, his reported homosexual lifestyle. And Meyer Lansky found it and used it to control Hoover. Mob bosses and their families like Meyer Lansky and Frank Costello went untouched by the FBI. In fact, in 1966, a young agent assigned to go through the motions of watching Meyer Lansky began to take his job seriously and developed good informants, and he was abruptly transferred to a rural area of Georgia. His successor on the Lansky assignment was a much older agent who knew the score. And when he retired a few years later... He accepted a job with the Bahamian Gambling Casino originally developed by Meyer Lansky. So the rumors are that Lansky had proof of J. Edgar Hoover's sexual uh, leanings, and he neutralized every threat against him and the mob. A man named Irving Ash Resnick, a Nevada representative of the Patriarca family from New England, the original owner of Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas, was a high-level mob courier. He traveled exclusively. And in Miami Beach, where he went for Christmas, he stayed at the Gulf Stream in a bungalow next to the one used by J. Edgar Hoover and his best friend, Clyde. So what's the difference about what we're seeing now? How is this any different, folks? When the Associated Press, through the Freedom of Information Act, updated FBI files and looked at them, they saw the extent by which he was monitoring Marilyn Monroe, uh, Frank Sinatra, Charlie Chaplin, even Monroe's ex-husband, playwright Arthur Miller. Why didn't this make it into the news? Well, the answer comes from who controls the news. I thought that it was a matter of... I thought that it was a matter of uh, real concern that planted stories intended to serve a national purpose abroad um, came home and were circulated here and believed here because uh, this would mean that the CIA could manipulate the news in the United States by channeling it through some foreign country. And we're looking at that very carefully. Do you have any people being paid by the CIA who are contributing to a major circulation American journal. We do have people who submit pieces to other to American journals. Do you have any people paid by the CIA who are working for television networks 
This, I think, gets into the kind of uh, getting into the details, Mr. Chairman, that I'd like to get into in executive session. Yeah, I'm sure you would, sir. That was from the Church Committee, 1979, the United States Senate Select Committee, to study governmental operations with respect to intelligence activities. They were It was chaired by Idaho Senator Frank Church, a Democrat from Idaho. Quite a lot of detailed information, uh, and we will evaluate it, and we will include any um, evidence of wrongdoing or any evidence of impropriety in our final report and make recommendations. Do you have any people being paid by the CIA who are contributing to the national news services, AP and UPI? Well, again, I think we're getting into the kind of detail, Mr. Chairman, that I'd prefer to handle in executive session. And they were investigating abuses by the CIA the National Security Agency, the NSA, the FBI, and the IRS. And Church's committee's conclusion, years later, after investigating the highly controversial practices of COINTELPRO, the thing that Hoover started, this is what they said, too many people have been spied upon by too many government agencies and too much information has been collected. The government has often undertaken secretive surveillance of citizens on the basis of their political beliefs, even when those beliefs posed no threat of violence or illegal acts on behalf of a hostile foreign power. The government, operating primarily through secret informants, but also using intrusive techniques as wiretaps, microphone bugs, surreptitious mail openings, break-ins, um, has swept in vast amounts of information about the personal lives, views, and associations of American citizens. Investigations of groups deemed potentially dangerous, and even of groups suspected of associating with potentially dangerous organizations, have continued for decades despite the facts that those groups did not engage in unlawful activity." goes on to say that the intelligent agencies have served the political and personal objectives of presidents and other high officials. While the agencies often committed excesses in response to pressure from high officials in the executive branch and Congress, they also occasionally initiated improper activities and concealed them from officials whom they had the duty to inform. Government officials, including those whose principal duty was to enforce the law, have violated or ignored the law over long periods of time and have advocated and defended their rights to break the law. The constitutional system of checks and balances has not adequately controlled intelligence activities. Folks, that was four decades ago. So suddenly we have an administration that's poking the snake, if you will. It's poking around in the holes to see what they can find now, what is the response that I want to play you a clip with Senator Chuck Schumer on Rachel Maddow's show on MSNBC? I don't know if you have seen this. I don't want to blindside you with this. This is a, this is um, the latest statement, latest tweet, as you were just saying, President-elect's latest, latest yeah. unsolicited pronouncement on the intelligence community. This was his tweet just a little while ago tonight. You see the scare quotes there. The yeah. intelligence briefing yeah. on so-called Russian hacking was delayed until Friday, perhaps more time needed to build a case. Very strange. We're actually told, intelligence sources tell NBC News since this tweet has been posted, that actually this intelligence briefing for the president-elect was always planned for Friday. It hasn't been delayed. Okay. But he's, he's taking these shots, this antagonism, yeah. this taunting to the intelligence Let me tell community. You, you take on the intelligence community, they have six ways from Sunday of getting back at you. You, you take on the intelligence community, they have six ways from Sunday of getting back at you. Yeah, and those six ways from Sunday are the media. One of the shocking revelations that came out of the church committee was the discovery of Operation Shamrock, in which major telecommunications companies shared their traffic with the NSA from 1945 
to the early 1970s. The information gathered in this operation fed directly into the watch list. In 1975, the committee decided to unilaterally declassify the particulars of this operation against the objections of then-President Ford's administration. But this goes back to Teddy Roosevelt, who used the Treasury Department, a.k.a. the Secret Service, as his investigative arm prior to the creation of the FBI. Well, some of the other things that come about that I wanted to bring out that we got to pay attention to, one of the things the CIA did to help control people, and there's a really good um, documentary on Netflix. It's kind of a docudrama called Wormwood about Project MKUltra, the CIA's mind control program, the code name given to the program of experiments on human subjects at times illegal and designed and undertaken by the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency. These experiments on humans were intended to identify and develop drugs and procedures to be used in interrogations and torture in order to weaken the individual and to force confessions through mind control. That's where the drug LSD came from. Dr. Timothy Leary was a part of that program. Organized through the Scientific Intelligence Division of the CIA, the project coordinated with the Special Operations Division of the U.S. Army Chemical Corps between 1953 and 1966. The story begins here, just off the nation's front yard, the mall. The buildings behind me were the headquarters for the World War II Office of Strategic Services. It was here that the first halting steps toward mind control began. The shaper and molder of OSS was General Wild Bill Donovan. He said of his group's work, We may have made mistakes, but we were not afraid to try things that were never done before. In this anything-goes atmosphere, Donovan appointed this man, Stanley Lovell, a Boston industrialist, to break new ground in many scientific and technical fields. Donovan called Lovell his Dr. Moriarty, after the fiendish professor in Sherlock Holmes. Lovell liked the name and posed for this Saturday Evening Post photo. He later wrote of his OSS job that it was, quote, to stimulate the peck's bad boy beneath the surface of every American scientist and to say to him, throw all of your normal law-abiding concepts out of the window. Here's a chance to raise merry hell. CIA financed a wide-ranging project we know as MKUltra, and it wasn't brought out until that 1975 Church Committee of the U.S. Congress. The CIA's activities were investigated, and the investigation was hampered by then-CIA Director Richard Helm, and he ordered all the MK Ultra files destroyed in 1973. But the Church Committee and the Rockefeller Commission had to rely on sworn testimony of the participants and a relatively small number of documents that survived the destruction order. Files were discovered later on. It's become common knowledge in the conspiracy community. There's another one that was new to me, um, something called Operation Midnight Climax. Yes, that's the title of it. CIA set up several brothels within agency safe houses in San Francisco, California, to obtain a selection of men who would be too embarrassed to talk about the events, the men that were dosed with LSD, and the brothels were equipped with one-way mirrors, and the sessions were filmed for later viewing and studying. Operation Midnight Climax was established by Sidney Gottlieb and placed under the direction of the Federal Narcotics Bureau in Boston. If you don't know who Gottlieb is, he was the American chemist and the spy master known for starting MK Ultra. Investigative reporter Jack Anderson points out about the CIA's triple threat to the public's right to know. One, try to shut off channels of information to the electric. Two, seek to seeking criminal activities against reporters whose stories might identify CIA operatives. And three, the most troubling, spreading disinformation to news agencies, which brings us to Operation Mockingbird. Yes, uh, we... Uh had been contacted by the CIA. As a matter of fact, by the time I became the head of the whole news and public affairs operation in 1954, the ships had been established, and I was told about them and asked if I'd carry on with them. 
Senator, do you think that you named the news organizations in your final report? Uh, th that remains to be decided. I think it was entirely in order for our correspondents at that time uh, to make use of uh, CIA agent ch uh, chiefs uh, of station and other members of the executive staff of CIA as sources of information which were useful in their assessments of world conditions. Would you say that continues today? Well, I, yeah, I would think probably for a reporter it would continue today, but because of all of the revelations of the period of the 1970s, uh, it seems to me that a reporter's got to be much more circumspect in doing it now, or he runs the risk of uh, at least being looked at with considerable disfavor by the public. Infiltrate and covertly control the media. Began in the 1950s under then-CIA Director Alan Dulles. The declassified files show how the CIA infiltrated mainstream media and had its pieces inserted into TV and newspapers and journals everywhere as news when there were nothing more than lies and propaganda. Richard Salant, former president of CBS News, once said, quote, Our job is to give people not what they want, but what we decide they ought to have. Again, Mockingbird was also exposed in the 1975 church committee hearings. Nothing much has changed. Journalists worldwide are still on the payroll and um, still controlling the news. You don't think so? Let's get an admission. Well, and I think that the dangerous you know, edges here are that he's trying to undermine the media, trying to make up his own facts, and it could be that while unemployment and uh, the, the economy worsens, he could have undermined the messaging so much that he can actually control right. uh, exactly what people think. And that if, is, the, that is our you, job. Yeah. That is our job, to control what people think. Micah Brzezinski, MSNBC Morning Joe co-host, let it slip. That is the media's job to control what people think. And if you don't know who Micah is, she is the daughter of political scientist Zbigniew Brzezinski and counselor to President, President Lyndon Johnson, national security advisor to President Jimmy Carter. He also helped, inadvertently, to create al-Qaeda when he convinced President Carter that running a secret CIA program to launch a proxy war against the USSR-backed Afghan government was going to, quote, induce a Soviet military intervention in Afghanistan to bleed the Soviets, transforming Iran into an anti-Western republic and brokering the Camp David Accords. He said, we didn't push the Russians to intervene, but we knowingly increased the possibility that they would in the 1998 interview with a weekly French magazine. The day the Soviets officially crossed the border, I wrote President Carter, essentially we now have the opportunity of giving the USSR its Vietnam War. The secret operation was an excellent idea. It had the effect of drawing the Russians into the Afghan trap. And you want me to regret it, he told an interviewer. What's more important in world history? The Taliban or the collapse of the Soviet Empire, some agitated Muslims or the liberation of Central Europe and the end of the Cold War. See what he had to say as he encouraged them, the Mujahideen, to do what they were doing. U.S. National Security Advisor Brzezinski flew to Pakistan to set about rallying resistance. He wanted to arm the Mujahideen without revealing America's role. On the Afghan border near the Khyber Pass, he urged the soldiers of God to redouble their efforts. We know of their deep belief in God, and we are confident that their struggle will succeed. That land over there is yours. You'll go back to it one day because your fight will prevail, and you'll have your homes and your mosques back again because your cause is right. God is on your side. We can thank him for the mess we now have in the Middle East. as a 2007 movie by Mike Nichols called Charlie Wilson's War. It tells the story of Representative Charles Wilson, Democrat out of Texas, help the Afghan Mujahideen fight the Soviet forces through the CIA's Operation Cyclone, which was the culmination of Brzezinski's plan under Carter started under Carter, ended under Reagan, and the end result was a thriving al-Qaeda, an angry Osama bin Laden who got stiffed by the U.S. in their deal, 
and the resulting mess is the Middle East today. This is Micah's inspiration as she continues his legacy of controlling the masses via the news. But see, controlling the masses is the deep state's job. The very people that this administration, the Trump administration, is at war with. If you want to see what could happen, remember what Schumer said, they got six ways to Sunday to deal with you. Well, Dr. Udo Ufkot was a former German newspaper editor whose best-selling book exposed how the CIA controlled German media. Not too long after the book came out, he was found dead of an apparent heart attack on January 13, 2017, at the age of 56. Well, I, I've been a journalist for about 25 years, and I was educated to lie, to betray, and uh, not to tell the truth to the public. And I, I stand, I'm going to stand up and say um, it is not right what I have done in the past, uh, to, to manipulate people, to make propaganda against Russia, and it is not right what my colleagues do on, and have done in the past because they are bribed uh, to betray the people not only in Germany, all over Europe. The reason writing this book was that I, I am very fearful of a new war in Europe and I don't like to have this situation again because uh, war is not, never coming from itself. There is always people behind it to push for war. And this is not only politicians, this is journalists too. And uh, I just have written in the book how we have betrayed in the past our, um, our readers just to push for war. And uh, because I don't want this anymore. I'm fed up with this propaganda. That was an interview he gave to Russia Today. It's very difficult to get his book. He has been frozen out of the American market. He was frozen out of his own market. The same MSN he was, M he was trying to expose has put a stifle on what he was trying to say. But what about CBS News reporter Cheryl Atkinson? Former CBS News reporter Cheryl Atkinson, investigative journalist, who blew the whistle on the fact that they were told what to say by her general managers and they were passed down from federal sources. Well, she she lost her job, but she's out there doing her own thing now, continuing to expose them. Another one was Amber Lyon, three-time Emmy Award-winning journalist. They both said they were routinely paid by the U.S. government and foreign governments to selectively report and even distort information on certain events. You know what? This show has been brought to you by the letter M. We've talked about the moon. We've talked about the memo. We've talked about Me Too, the movies, the MSM, Mockingbird, MKUltra. But then we have one more M that kind of should be paid attention to. And that M is America. Because that's what we're fighting about. We're fighting about America. That's why people are revealing this stuff. That's why reporters are doing what they do. And right now, in my opinion, this is my commentary tying it all up together, this overwatch of what's really going on, what I believe these moons have exposed, what the spirit behind them and the talons of the fallen are doing. We are in a fight for the soul of America, which began from day one of its inception. When the Illuminati and the Masonic influences infected government and law enforcement all the way to this day. For some, the red, white, and blue was always about green, greed, and power. We the people, to them, are just words on a parchment, and they were never meant to be believed in. Someone forgot to tell the people. And now, as we pull back the covers, as things become exposed, and I think in the days ahead, some shocking things regarding perversion, pedophilia, satanic ritual crimes, human trafficking, and the like, are going to come forward. And you're probably only going to hear about it on independent online sources and social media, because mainstream media will never report on it, in my opinion. We are in a fight for the soul of this nation, and it will only end in the final ticks of the prophetic clock.
I'm not being negative, but I do not believe the kind of change that people expect out of the reports by QAnon online and out of the independent media with Pizzagate and spirit cooking and all the things that we have talked about for over a year is going to create change. It will create disruption. It'll stir the sludge up, but business as usual will go on, which means the battle will continue and we will continue to talk about it. See, this was a preview of what's coming. They all won't be like this one, but there'll be independent reports by various people who will come on to talk about what they're doing, using media and video clips and other things like that, to just give an overwatch, a view from above on what goes on in the darkness, in the light, in politics, finance, the internet, in a way that you may not have heard it before. As I said in the very beginning, You may not agree with everything that is said. You may not agree with the perspective, the point of view. But I guarantee you will be challenged. I guarantee you'll hear things that you probably have not heard before. You will be informed. And hopefully, you'll be inspired to do your own research to know more. If you'd like to contact us with some topics you'd like covered... On Overwatch, go to firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support what we do, you can go there and do that as well. I'm Richard Grunn. This has been an Overwatch report on Firefall Talk Radio. Advancements in the medical field are giving nurses faster, more effective results than ever before. They should expect the same from their education, too. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format allows you to set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move faster through your program. So the faster you move, the more money you save. When you're ready, we'll be here. Visit capella.edu for a trial course at no cost to you. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. This weekend at Kohl's, take an extra 15% off. Save on men's and women's denim. Get Under Armour shoes for the family, $59.99 and under. And pick up a Power XL air fryer, just $84.99. Plus, take an extra $10 off your back-to-school purchase of $50 or more. Plus, store drive up. And get a little more for your wallet with Kohl's Cash. Shop Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles, 15% off with promo code Notebook and August 16th. Under Armour offers and coupons do not apply. 10 off 50 with promo code BTS10 and August 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details.